0: Welcome to this week's edition of A Canadian Schoolie Podcast. This week I spoke with Gary and Amanda who have been living in their Schoolie for the past three years. Gary, Amanda, and their teenage daughter are presently located in Nova Scotia and are looking forward to traveling again. This inspiring couple have traveled back and forth across Canada and spent time traveling throughout the United States. From adventures and mishaps to homeschooling their daughter, Gary and Amanda recommend that if you are thinking about building a schoolie or a coach bus, do it now and make sure you use spray foam insulation. Grab a warm beverage, sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's edition of A Canadian Schoolie Podcast. All right, folks, welcome to another edition of A Canadian Schoolie Podcast. This week, I have uh, two special guests on from my home province in Nova Scotia. They're the first ones uh, from Nova Scotia to be on the, uh, the podcast. So we'll start with Gary. Uh, could you introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, hello. Uh, My name is Gary. Um, I'm 45. Uh, I'm not from Nova Scotia, as you can probably tell from my accent. Um, So I grew up in uh, Manchester, England. And then I met my wife, Amanda, who is, uh, you'll meet in a second, who's Canadian, English. And I moved to Canada with her. Um, I'm a graphic designer by trade, but I really only work every now and again if I need to um, and that's pretty much me Uh, and I'm a house husband mainly so
2: I'm Amanda I'm 44 I was born in BC but my parents are English so we moved back to England before I was one and then came back um, around about 9 or 10 and then moved back to England at 19 and then I met Gary and we came back to Canada I was a makeup artist uh, fashion makeup artist doing London Fashion Week and things some photo shoots For about 20 years, I've swapped over to being an artist. I sell my art online, which is what has allowed us to do the schoolie life and travel because I can work remotely.
0: And where did the two of you meet?
1: (laughs) Oh, it's a very... (laughs) Um, We are old school. We met in a bar.
2: Yeah, I was the bartender. And he was my second customer. And
1: I was her second drunk customer.
2: Who complained.
1: Yes. And I complained about a drink. uh, And then I kept going up to her for drinks. And she was thinking, why is this not very nice (laughs) person? Keep coming back to me. Uh, And then I accosted her and said, I want your name, your telephone number, and what time you're free for lunch tomorrow. And then we moved in together two days later, didn't we? On our second date, we moved in together. And we've been together now for 20... years (laughs) 21 years years this year
2: yeah 21 years now
1: so yeah yeah we did it the old-fashioned way
0: and was that in canada
1: or was it in the uk no that
2: was in that was in in
1: manchester yeah so i actually thought she was australian because she was working in an australian bar um and you had to be australian to work in this bar so i thought she was australian um because when you mix canada and english the accents together it can kind of come across australian uh, and then when she said she was Canadian, I don't think I believed her.
2: <laughs> you didn't believe me as a makeup artist. <laughs> yeah,
1: did I didn't believe a lot of things she said. It sounded too fantastical to be true.
0: So, Gary, where are, <laughs>
1: what are what are some of the jobs
2: that you've
0: done in the past in regards to graphic designing or other jobs?
1: Well, I used to work, uh, I used to do graphic designs for bars and restaurants. I don't have any uh, formal training, um, but I, uh, I got into it um, I can't even remember how I got into it. And I started doing graphic design work for bars, restaurants, doing their menus and stuff. Uh, and then I started doing um, T-shirt designs for people who sell t- those T-shirts on Facebook. You know, this grandma loves her grand stuff. Uh, and I started doing T-shirt designs for people. Um, And then I got into, uh, believe it or not, children's book publishing. Uh, And now I do graphic design for uh, like, children's coloring books, children's maths books and things like that.
0: Well, and Amanda, what about you for the, uh, either the makeup artistry or the photography? Uh, What other jobs have you done in that line of work?
2: I was a makeup artist for about 20 years, um, so I, Originally, I was a trainer for MAC for the UK, so I would teach their makeup artists and do Fashion Week and things like that. And then when we moved back to Canada, I slowly started transitioning into doing art as a hobby, and then it just started taking over. So I retired as a makeup artist and uh, started selling my stuff online um, with Etsy. And then from that, I've got some licensing deals. So now some big box stores carry my artwork as well.
1: Very cool. She sells she sells herself very short indeed. She is in she's the top one she's in the top one percent of sellers on Etsy. She's she's a fantastic artist. Um you should look it up. It's Amanda Greenwood Art. Um and uh, she sells her stuff through some major retailers in the US. Martha Stewart.com sells her stuff. She's she's really, really popular, but she won't tell you that. So
0: she definitely did not tell us that. And thank you, Gary, for uh, sharing that.
1: You know, I, I I have to be her cheerleader. <laughs> If I was as good as her, I'd be shadding it from the rooftops, but she doesn't like to, so. Beautiful.
0: All right, so Gary, tell us a little bit about this uh, bus that you have, like the make, the model, where you bought it, that kind of stuff.
1: We, uh, our bus is called Mabel the Schooly Bus. Um, she's an old girl. She has a 1995 uh, Bluebird uh, front engine. Um, she is, we, we bought her at auction in bc um but when we because we were looking for months and months and months the reason why we bought a bus is my uh, amanda and our daughter love to travel but i'm a homebody and uh, so you'd
2: never come with yeah they
1: w- they would go off on trips they would go off on holidays they'd go here there and everywhere but i never wanted to go i love being at home um and then i said to her one day i said what do you think about buying a school bus and turning it into a tiny home and traveling around? Because then we can go wherever we want, obviously, in North America, uh, Mexico, South America, but I'm always at home. So that's the reason behind it. So we bought the bus at auction, uh, and after I put the bid down of, uh, I think it was $1,000 with my opening bid, um, I then started reading more about the bus, and I said to her, I said, I think I've made a terrible mistake because... (laughs) It's a propane bus and we knew nothing about pro- propane at all. So I was like, we're out a thousand bucks. If we win the bus, we're never going to be able to fill her up. Obviously, three years later, I have no issues with propane whatsoever. Yeah. And we've been across North America, Canada twice. Um, but yeah, so we got our auction. That's uh, probably
2: why we won the auction too, because of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's probably one of the reasons. Um, we
2: got it from the, our daughter's school, actually.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was actually one of the buses that she would have ridden on if she'd have taken the bus to school.
2: Yeah.
0: Wow, that's very cool. So, did you have
1: to bid any higher than a thousand, or uh, you were good at that? I think yeah. Eventually, we got her for twenty-two hundred. Yeah,
2: but that, I think that
1: was with tax. Yeah, twenty-two hundred, and that was with tax.
0: <clears throat> and was
1: that still like
0: it looked like enemies. a bus with seats in it? And.
1: Yep. Yeah, yep. and, when... sh- and
2: chip packets <clears throat> and <laughs> sweet wrappers,
1: <laughs> and very interesting graffiti. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, she was a bright yellow school bus. It was a, it was an interesting first journey because I'd never driven a. We went and did our air brake test, yeah. um, and we passed and got our air brakes on our license. But obviously, I'd still never driven anything as big as that before. No. So it was a, uh, it was a nerve wracking journey home. Um, but as my wife said, she knew I was getting more comfortable when she saw my arm come out of the window going down the highway. She was like, oh, he's fine now.
0: (laughs) So Amanda, tell me a little bit about the uh, build process that you went through with the bus.
2: It was a definite learning curve, and we thank goodness for the University of YouTube, (laughs) and all the wonderful people have put their journeys up on there, because that's really where we learned. Other than building like bookshelves and stuff like that we had nothing to bring so like the tools and uh everything we learned from youtube and we we just took our time doing it um and we made a few mistakes and you know but um it was good wasn't it we we took our time we took a year to do it like on weekends and after work and stuff like that
0: and this is always a question i have because uh you folks live in your bus what did you do for insulation for the Canadian winter in your bus? I'm always curious to see uh, what people have done with insulation in Canada, because in the States, it's a completely different ballgame. I'm always interested in the Canadian insulation process. What did you folks do?
1: The way I'm feeling right now, it feels <laughs> like we used one layer of brown paper.
2: Because <laughs> our intention always was to winter down south and summer and so our main thing was actually to keep cool yep. rather than worrying about winters. Um, saying that, we've now spent three winters <laughs> in Canada. But we used the rigid styrofoam and, uh, you know, we scored it so it would go along the curve of the roof. But we, we did take the roof off. I know some people don't take the inside ceiling off, but we took it off to insulate all the way. So she is insulated. Um, but one of our regrets, and if we had known what the future held we definitely would have spray foamed
1: yeah that would have been our thing is i wish we'd have spray foamed her
2: yeah
0: and what about windows did you keep all the windows in the bus or did you take any out
1: kept every window just
2: kept them um for this winter we've got the uh reflectix that we put in which gives us like overnight and that gives us like a a double but um no we just left them as is
1: and we love the windows in the school bus you know it's part of the uh, it's part of the charm of having a school bus is having mm-hmm. is having the windows.
2: I think the biggest thing for insulation, and it was a tip that uh, a full timer in an RV gave us, it's the floor is the most. And even though we insulated the floor, it was very cold. So they gave us a tip of using those interlocking like play mats, and we just got black ones of those. And during the winter, we lay those on the floor, and that makes a huge difference. Yeah,
1: we have them running all the way down the bus. Yeah. And then you, then we put the rugs on top of those and it's, yeah. it's toasty warm. Down and then there. when
2: it's not winter, we take those mats <clears throat> up and they just fold and go into our garagey bed.
0: So what about the moisture in the bus? Do you have any issues with the uh, moisture, like from breathing at nighttime or cooking in the bus? How do you deal with that?
1: Yes, we do. And it is an issue. And this is one of the reasons why I wish we'd have spray foamed. Um, but we have a, uh, a dehumidifier that we run um, where we've got about 2,000. We've got 2,000 watts of solar and we run, um, we have a, uh, an out of the box. We actually have the Titan, um, which is a 3,000 watt inverter um, and it's got 6,000 amp hours of battery. Um, so we run our dehumidifier couple of hours every day um and that seems to do the trick to keep the moisture down but when we wake up in the morning i mean obviously you know we've got condensation on the windows and it's just about keeping on top of it we just got to keep you know making sure that we're wiping the windows down and we're running the dehumidifier and if it's a lovely day have the door open have some windows open just get some airflow going
2: this is the first winter though it's been a problem because normally like last year, we were here for a little bit of the winter. We were in an RV park, so electricity wasn't. So we just ran the decommeter fire all the time. This is the first time we've been off grid in the winter.
0: Yes. And what about heat? What are you using to heat the bus?
2: We always, so for two years, we've been in the bus three years now. For two years, we just had the Dickinson sealed propane heater which is the marine one and that's been enough for us this entire time yes now that we're off grid and we're in a canadian winter with no electricity we installed a is it called a grizzly
1: yeah in august we ordered the uh cubic grizzly um and that came in november so we just retro <clears throat> we moved some things around in the front room of the bus and then we installed our uh, our little wood stove and that has been a lifesaver
2: yeah for sure so We've been using that more, and not so much the the gas one.
1: Yeah, so the wood stove is now our main source of heat.
0: So with the Grizzly, the uh,
1: the Cubic Mini, do
0: you have a fan on the top of the stove to rotate the heat yep. around the basket yep. or not? You do. Right?
1: Yeah, we have one of the uh, the the big black eco fans,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that pushes the uh, pushes the heat around. Well. Cool. So, Amanda, what about an adventure that you folks uh, have
0: been on in regards to the bus? You like to travel. You've been across Canada. You must have one up your sleeve. So, Amanda, I'll get you to uh, give us one first, and then maybe, Gary, you can share one uh, afterwards.
2: Um, We've been across Canada twice now, and our favorite real spot has been Nova Scotia, which is why we bought land here. And then we did a dip down through the states and both Gary and I, we were talking about our greatest ones. And uh, Schoolie Palooza was really both of our highlights. Um, and that was in Arizona last year. We were gutted that we couldn't go this year.
0: And you would have been only a few Canadian buses that would have been at Schoolie Palooza.
2: Yeah, I think we met someone from Quebec. Uh,
1: there was William the schoolie from Quebec, and then there was uh, another couple from um, I want to say Ontario.
2: I think it was Ontario.
1: Yeah, uh, I think we met four Canadian schoolies down there. There's more. There was more this year because obviously we weren't there, but I've seen quite a lot of photos. Um, I was longingly looking at them. Yeah. Um, and there was about
2: 250 other school people that live full time in their schoolies that were there. Yeah. And that was amazing because at that point we hadn't met anyone, no, had we? No, and, um, and we space. had
1: no idea what to expect. Um, but we've we came away from Schoolypalooza Palooza with some uh, some lifelong friends.
2: Yeah, and we even travelled we afterwards with a couple families. We continued our travels through <clears> the states with them.
1: <clears throat> yeah. yeah, we got as far as uh, New Orleans with one family. Um, they've got five kids with them in their in their bus, um, and we travelled all the way to New Orleans with them. Uh, and then we split ways, but yeah, schoolie Palooza, I think is probably one of the uh one of the best one of the best places yeah. we've been.
0: I heard at Schooly Palooza you don't say goodbye to anybody. you say, "See you down the road." Yeah. yeah
2: for sure, and it's funny because you would go somewhere and you would see someone and be like, "Oh, you know, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I said goodbye to the people who were constantly playing drums at night. I said goodbye to those people. <laughs>
2: They had different zones, so different. We were in the family zone, so it was perfect for us, yeah.
0: So, Gary, maybe explain to me about this adventure at um, Schoolie Palooza, because I've never been yet. Um, Like, what does it look like? How is it set up? Who organizes it? That kind of stuff. Uh,
1: I have no idea who's organizing it now, uh, because the year that we went, which was 2019. Was it 2019? 2020? No, it's
2: 2020.
1: It was 2020.
2: 2020.
1: it was set up uh, by a uh, good friend of ours now called um, Stephanie, um, and we pulled in. <clears throat> it was dark. We 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 driving down this this uh, dirt desert road. We had no idea where it was, and we pulled in. Um, these other schooly people were like, "Come and park over here," and from there on in, it was just it was just making friends yeah. every every day.
2: Um, and a lot of people ran classes, um, so like there was someone doing a homeschool class, someone doing a welding class, and people would just anything that they were good at would h- hold a a little talk. It was it was just really great, wasn't it? Yep.
1: You just you know you knock on people's doors and they give you a tour of their school bus.
2: Yeah, lots of tours.
1: And even though we're all living in a school bus, it's you know it was it was amazing just to see how everyone was doing something different in the same space. Yeah. Uh, And that's what we love the most, Uh, you know, and some people had obviously spent quite a lot on their bus. Some people had spent not a lot, but it was it was still nice to see everyone's interpretation of what a schoolie was to them.
2: Yeah. And we'd have campfires every night. And it was just it was just really lovely, wasn't it? Yeah. Our daughter loved it. Sounds beautiful. There was a lot of schoolie kids kids and we barely saw her. Yeah, because we have a
1: we have a 14 year old who's homeschooled um so she she's she's also made like lifelong friends from schoolie palooza who she she talks to pretty much every other day um through you know the internet um and they're still fast friends so it's it's good if anyone ever gets the chance to go they really should go
2: it's life-changing it
1: really is life-changing
0: so, Gary, Amanda, when are you folks planning the Canadian version of the Schooley Palooza now that you have experience in it? Well, we we've got 25 acres. <laughs>
2: yeah, we do. And we have talked about it. And, uh, But I think, yeah, it is something, isn't it? It is. The only thing is, is our road. I don't know if people would want to.
1: Yeah, we. We
2: were down a, <laughs> 14 kilometers down a very rough road. to get to our property. So even the UPS driver won't come. They drop it off at the gas station. Yeah, they
1: drop our packages off at the gas station and say, go pick it up.
0: Well, I tell you, you are my 26th interview for uh, what's happening across Canada and and Canadians in other parts of the world. And the majority of people have not been to Palooza, but they're definitely interested in some kind of Canadian gathering of schoolies to see what's happening and to share uh, equal experiences. And it's definitely something that's going to happen in the future where it's going to happen and when I'm not sure, but it's definitely a, uh, a need to be filled. Well, when it happens, we'll
1: be there with bells on.
2: Or if our road gets paid. All right. Unless it's,
1: (laughs) unless it's in Winnipeg. (laughs) I hate the roads in Winnipeg.
0: (laughs) (laughs) the farmer's field somewhere. So you've been traveling quite a bit. Uh, You have lots of experience in the bus. Uh, I'm sure along your travels, you've had some mishaps. Amanda, what's a mishap that you folks
2: would have had? Uh, We really only won, I would say. (laughs) and It was very early on. Um, It was, we were coming back, we'd driven across Canada and we, oh no, we'd gone on a little test Trip, So we'd left BC and we'd gone up to Jasper and Banff and back around. And then the bus started making this really funny noise. And uh, so we had like Googled, we had, you know, a lot of Facebook schoolie groups are very supportive and great. And we, you know, troubleshooted and everyone and everything came back to this one kind of problem. We eventually uh, limped into a garage and only one had a space and we were, it was a time crunch because we had to get back over the Rocky Mountains before the snow. And they diagnosed it and we needed to get our engine rebuilt. And I mean, there was nothing really we could do. And so it was quite dramatic. They said it would be two weeks. It was a month. We were staying in a Airbnb. And then when we got the final bill back, which was a lot higher than they said, the engine repair underneath it was also build the problem that everyone had said it was (laughs) so i feel like we were a little bit ripped off there and you know i wish we had uh maybe been able to find another mechanic or a second or knew a bit more because that was very early on i mean that was you know almost three years ago the yeah. very beginning of our journey. It's a funny
1: story now, but and at now the time, we look at it and mm-hmm. say,
2: you know, she was old, so you know, better there where we could get to a mechanic than six months from now and be in the middle of nowhere. So you know, maybe it ended up being a good thing. I mean, who knows? But mean, it was traumatic at the time.
1: We we did put aside a, when when we first got the bus. She was a ninety six bus. She already had 400,000 kilometers on her. So we knew at some point something was going to go wrong yeah. with the engine, the transmission, whatever it might be. So we we put a budget aside, a contingency for repairs. It just so happened that, the, that those repairs came a lot sooner than we thought they yeah. were going to.
2: I think it was more traumatic <clears throat> because it was our home. We were so excited to start our journey. And yeah. then all of a sudden we couldn't stay in our home and it was being longer and longer. And I think it was that... Yeah, Being so excited for so long and planning. And then that, like, more than the cost of it.
1: Yeah, it felt like it got taken away from us. Yeah. Um, And And it took
2: a little while to go away, didn't it? That feeling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It took a while to get the magic back. Yeah. Um, But that's really the only mishap I think we've had in the... I mean, obviously, I've driven up numerous curbs trying to turn right in the bus, (laughs) but that's not really a mishap.
2: (laughs) No, no. I mean, touch wood, there's been no... Nothing,
1: nothing major other
2: than that no there's nothing i can think of no, no. it's a very expensive I mean,
1: replacement a- yes yeah,
2: it was but now we figure because she's propane and it's such low wear on the engine we're probably good you know other things will go wrong yeah. here and there but engine wise we're probably good now and that would have been the biggest worry yeah so
1: if your listeners had four hours to hear me sit down and rant <laughs> about this engine rebuild I can happily do it in yeah. an extra
2: episode <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was gonna say I think it was more than anything though it was the way because it was our home and not just a vehicle and I just feel like that was the more traumatic bit of it <sighs> us not being able to be in our home when we've been looking forward and planning and it was more that yeah than it was the actual engine yeah you know
1: And also because everyone was telling us that it was probably a leaking exhaust manifold, that's what was making the noise. Because it's when we accelerated, it was going do-do-do-do-do-do-do in time with the acceleration. And everybody said, it's probably a leaking exhaust manifold. It's your exhaust manifold. And that is one of the things that was on the repair bill for the engine rebuild. So it just kind of put a sour taste in our mouth. But like Amanda said, that was like, Two years ago, and we've driven across Canada twice since then. We've been all through the states, so it's it's really a forgotten memory, and it is a funny story now. And
2: now I think of it too is that engine could have gone when we were halfway between. You know, when we were when COVID happened and we were in Florida and had to get back. What happens if it happened then? So maybe it was a blessing in disguise, anyway. Right?
0: Oh, imagine it happened then. What planning you'd
2: have to Uh, do? Yeah, that was yeah. So. So we'll look on the bright side of that.
0: So where do you go to get fuel for a propane engine?
2: It depends where you are. But you you found a good app in Canada.
1: Yes. um, It just gives you a list of all the alternative fuel. You just type in alternative fuel Canada uh, and it will bring up and then you can actually... Uh, see on a map and you can select the stations with uh, limited filling capacities, which means that they might have limited hours or only do it on certain days. Uh, And then usually I will just call them and find out if they can fill up RVs. That's really the trick because a lot of places with propane can fill up barbecue tanks, but they don't have the nozzle to fill up an RV tank. So it's with us. It's always best to call ahead. Uh, and we've kind of we plan our routes around where the propane stations are. Yeah, um, we and can get we can get I think it's 600 kilometers no, out of.
2: We've done we've said now 750s are safe so that we feel comfortable. So as long as a gas station is within that limits, we can yep. go that route.
1: Yeah. And we'll never go more than, uh, you know, below a quarter tank before we uh, before yeah. we're filling up. Um,
2: we've only ever had one problem well it wasn't a problem but one like ooh I hope we make it one
1: scary bit which is yeah. when we went from Thunder Bay and we had to go all the way around the lake to get to Ste. Marie um and it's 600 kilometers
2: but there's a lot of hills
1: but there's a lot of hills so we um, weren't
2: hundred percent sure and that was uh ooh we can then, make it
1: but luckily halfway in between there's a little... Um, it's not an RV park. It's a little. It's a little like place. Cabins. Yeah, little cabins, and they've got a gas station. And he had propane, yeah. so we filled up, and we were on our way. But
2: he was about to close, so if we were a day later, we would have been out of luck. <laughs> <laughs> so, but in the states, on the west coast, there were tons, wasn't there? Yep. Tons.
1: You, every U-Haul in yeah. the states usually has propane.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> East, All the East gas coast stations. Was a little bit more spotty. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And propane in the states is dirt cheap. I mean, we were getting it for, I think. Uh, the equivalent of like 50 60 cents a litre
0: and what is it in uh, Canada
1: uh 80 90 oh (laughs) it depends where you are in Quebec we found it for 55 cents a litre which was amazing when we were up in Jasper two dollars a litre
2: yeah so it really depends and you also have to which we didn't know to begin with you have to say what is your fuel price? What is your
1: alternative fuel price? Because otherwise they give you the barbecue, barbecue fill price,
2: price which, is, which is
1: different, quite yeah, different. Quite different. So, Gary,
0: tell us a little bit about something that you might do differently with the build of the bus.
1: Spray foam it. <laughs> <laughs> I would spray foam it. It is, my, it is the one thing that I regret the most that we didn't do. I love our bus to death. Mabel the Schooly bus is my home. I hope I live in her for a very long time. She makes me happy every morning when I wake up. Um, But I am tearing her back to bare metal (laughs) this year, and I am completely spray foaming the inside, and then I'm gonna rebuild her back.
2: But would you say that you've not thought of it as a problem until this year? Yes. Right, so it's only because you've had to winter in Canada this year. If we continued on our snowbird journey, you wouldn't have been worried about
1: it. No, I wouldn't. Who's no. asking
2: the question? I'm just saying.
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't have worried so much about it. But now that it has become apparent, spray foaming is the way to go. And also, you know, like Amanda said, when we first built the bus, we didn't know what we were doing. Um, we were learning as we were going. And we've built lots of stuff since then. We're, we're also building cabins on our on our off-grid property as well. So we've learned a lot in regards to construction and finishings and stuff. So it would be nice to three years later with everything we've learned, kind of take her back to bones and then rebuild her and just make her even prettier than she is.
2: And we have, we have made changes along the road. Like to begin with in the front room, we had like a little banquette, but it wasn't working for us. So we changed it and put in a bigger table. Our daughter's bedroom too originally was like a bunk. Um, And that wasn't working. So we brought it down lower with storage underneath. So we have adapted as we've gone on because how you think you're gonna live in them and until you do, you don't really realize, Yeah. you know? We were were putting the cat litter, wasn't working for us. So we built a thing in, you know? So we have adapted as we've gone on as well.
0: So what did you do about your
1: water and your water storage in the colder climate for winter? We have no water tanks on our bus. No. We do... uh, In and out. Yeah, we have in and out under the kitchen sink. We have in and out under our bathroom sink, which I empty. I mean, the kitchen one I empty every day. Um, But I go and get fresh water in... I've got maybe six or seven five-gallon jugs. We are installing rainwater collection here on the off-grid property, so I won't have to go out and forget the water. Um, So we have uh, five gallon jugs that I go out and fill up. Um, but we don't use, we don't go through a lot of water. We have a Berkey water filter that we use for drinking and cooking, um, which I fill up every other day. Uh, and then we shower, we do dishes, we cook, we don't really use a lot of water. We have a compost toilet, uh, the nature's head. So we don't use any water for that. Uh, And we've got no grey tanks, no black tanks, no water tanks. It makes life a lot simpler. It
2: has been. And I've always thought like, oh, maybe we should have had a water tank as well. But we were with one of the families that we traveled with. We went to, um, in Texas, Pedro Island.
1: St. Padre Island, Corpus Christi.
2: So we were parked on the beach and it was beautiful. And we were there for two weeks and they had to keep leaving to fill up their tanks. Whereas Gary would go to the grocery store and fill up the water.
1: Yeah, because we haven't. Um, we have a a, a second vehicle. <clears throat> we don't tow it. I drive the bus, and Amanda drives the uh, second vehicle. Yeah. When we're when we're touring around.
2: So we've never had any problems with water that way, have we?
1: No, we've never had an issue no. with water ever.
0: So for your grey water for your shower, do you just run that out onto the ground, or do you collect it, or how does that work um, in the shower?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we've actually got a um, we've got a drain that comes out, and then I we put a bucket underneath, and then I take the bucket and I emptied it into the yeah. into the drain. We it depends,
2: it depends where we are. So when we're here on the property, we don't put anything underneath it, and we use biodegradable soap, so that's fine. But if we were say <clears> in an RV park or somewhere like that, we would use their showers. But otherwise, we'd put a bucket underneath. Yeah, yeah, and our shower only uses a bucket full of water, so it's you know the same in out.
0: And you just have like a marine pump for your water in your uh, sink? Uh,
1: nope. 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 If I want, when I want to do dishes, I'll boil a kettle um, and I pour it out of the five gallon jug.
2: <clears throat> we, we did put in a tap to pump it up, like a hand pump tap, but we never, used it. we never used it. We so... never used
1: it. It was just easier just to pour out of the, the yeah. five gallon jug, which we, so just... we
2: just have the out underneath the sink. Now we don't bother having yeah. it in.
1: Yeah,
0: doing systems like that that make it more simplified makes life a lot easier, and
1: you have time to not have to worry about problems. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I mean, people were living living like this for thousands of years. You know, we've we've just forgotten how to do it. Yeah. So it it is a much simpler existence.
2: Yeah. But it's learning, too, because, I mean, we lived in a three-bedroom, double-garage house beforehand, so, you know, I had questions about, well, what about the water? What about the showers? And now I look back and think it was so silly to be worried about that stuff, but until you live it, you don't realize it is actually simpler.
0: So what about yourself, Amanda? Is there anything that you would have done differently?
2: Um... Not really. I Well, actually, I would have put a mini, we've got one now, and we haven't put it in yet, but I would have got a mini split just for the hot cold. But it's not been that big of an issue. That's just kind of a more of a, an extra want, you know, I would have spray foamed now. But again, we've only really thought about that this year.
1: No, the one thing she would have done differently is she would have bought a second small bus, converted that, and then she would have lived in that and I would have lived in the big one (laughs) so she could have some space for me.
2: We do want to get a shorty for our daughter to have her own space because, you know, she'll be getting 15, 16. She's going to want, you know, her own little space and that be the secondary vehicle instead of a car. But that's a future. It's not a regret. No,
1: that's not a regret.
2: I think it's more future. Oh, what can I add? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean... I don't regret not spray foaming. I just wish I'd have done it. But, uh, but you know, it's like they always say, when you know better, you do better.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we were going to build one now, I would spray foam it and, you know.
1: Put the flooring down, put the ceiling in, and then build. But we didn't. You know, we built all the framework, and then we did the ceiling and the flooring around it. Which, yeah. you know, it's made it a bit more complicated.
2: When we've made changes, <clears> it's like, oh, man, I wish we had Because
1: we, we don't have any ceiling there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> one of the uh, one of the people that i interviewed what they did i believe it was if you listen to it there's the dentist and he's out in british columbia and what he did is he sprayed underneath the entire bus with spray foam and sealed in the floor that way because he was working uh with his dental clinics in the bus and it was always cold on his feet and that's what he did he sprayed underneath the bus for the foam for the floor so that's maybe when you're doing the roof you might want to look at the floor as well
1: yeah, I've, I've heard I've heard mixed things about <clears throat> uh, spraying the undercarriage, but I guess it's each to each to their own. Yeah.
2: But the flooring so, is definitely a point where it gets cold. Like having those mats down has been a life changer. I'm so glad we bumped into that lady. Yeah, me too. Yeah.
0: I think if I ever build a bus again, it's going to have in floor heating.
1: Oh, somehow. yes. Yes. OK, fine. I'd like to change my <laughs> regret. The biggest, <laughs> biggest regret I have is not putting down in floor
2: But, you know, like three months ago, be- before, th- you know, three months ago and beyond, our biggest thing was being too hot in the bus, you know, like, yeah. So, I mean, it just depends on your situation.
1: Yeah. During, I mean, during the height of the coronavirus, we were actually in Ontario, um,
2: and, and that we, got to 40. Yeah, and we
1: were living oh. We were living down by a river because no RV parks were open. There was nowhere to go. We hadn't bought the land yet. Um, so, you know, we were down by the river and yeah, it was like 40 degrees.
2: But it was also cloudy. So our solar wasn't getting up. So running the fans and yeah, that was a bit, that was a difficult time actually. That
1: was, that was an interesting couple of weeks. Yeah. So you
0: need a summer bus and a winter bus.
2: Yeah. <laughs> i think if we spray foamed and did the mini split though then i think that's the best of both worlds
1: yeah she will be a summer and winter bus when we're done Mm -hmm. so amanda what's a piece of advice that you
0: give to uh the folks out there that are just thinking about starting a schoolie um and the possibilities of living in one in canada
2: i would say definitely do it i think it's uh, you know when we listen to the videos a common thread all the way through was i wish we'd done it sooner and you know, this lifestyle, you think, what if, like, like my biggest fear was homeschooling, like, am I going to do a good enough job? What are we going to do about the water? What are we going to do? And now I look back and think, I can't believe any of those kind of held me back. I wish I'd just done it. You know, it's a great experience. It's definitely changed our outlook on everything in life. Yeah. You know, I thought it was just a tool to travel together and, you know, but it'd be, be cooler than an RV, but really, it really has changed my outlook on life. Yeah.
0: And what about you, Gary? What advice would you give to the folks out there?
1: Um, I mean, this too, really, um, when it comes to actually, I know you can't always pick the, the, the bus that you want. You know, if you're buying it at auction or you see it in a, you know, in a in a show, you know, place to buy a bus. But <clears throat> they either say go as small as you can or as big as you can because there's no real benefit for the for the in-between buses because the small buses you can get down to riverbeds you can get up you know for you know uh smaller roads um whereas with the big buses like our 40 footer you i can't really do any of that i'm kind of constrained but
2: we've got the
1: space but we've got the space whereas even with a 33 foot bus i still wouldn't be able to get down those you know, those roads or around those corners that I can't get to uh, in a 40 foot bus, but, I, but I've lost space. So they either, I would say, either go as small as you can, uh, as small as you can fit in or go for the biggest bus that you can find. Go for the 40 footer. They're not, they're not that scary to drive once you've driven them a couple of times. And then the other one is a good Sam roadside um, assistance. breakdown assistance. Uh, they're based in the US. I don't know if you guys have heard of them. Uh, I don't know if people listening have heard of them. Um, but there's the Good Sam's Club, and they do roadside assistance. Uh, they have a section that is specifically for schoolies, um, and we've used them. We've only used them once. Thank goodness! Uh, thank goodness! After and they were great. And they were fantastic. We got our bus towed. Didn't cost us a penny.
2: Yeah, it was amazing. So we and we have the car and the bus on that. And because we tried with BCAA, because toes can be incredibly expensive for the school bus, um, but BCA wouldn't take us, would they?
1: Yeah, they and wouldn't we, even sign were, us up because it was a conversion. Yeah.
2: Um, even though it's, you know, we've uh, got the paperwork to show it's an RV now, they still wouldn't take it. But Good Sam's, like you said, it actually has the selection on the box of a schoolie, you know? Yeah. yeah. So. so they were great. It's definitely <laughs>
0: worth they- it. They would uh, cover in Canada as well
1: or only while you're Canada, in the States? Canada. Yep, Yep. we got our toe in... In Canada, Kelowna. In, in Kelowna, BC. Yeah.
2: And they were amazing. amazing. And also for RV parks, they do give you a discount. Some of them will give you a discount <laughs> for um, good sense. Yeah, especially
1: in the States. So if you're staying in an RV park, you know, some places might yeah. give you a 10% discount off your stay.
2: Yeah. But if you are traveling down in the States, we have this great app and it's for the Bureau, Bureau of Land Management. And it's free parking. You can park it for two weeks. And really, other than California, we stayed on that land everywhere we went. New Mexico, everywhere, didn't we?
1: That's one of the reasons why we were looking to buy a little plot of land. Um, And obviously, we've ended up in, you know, in Nova Scotia because we love it here. But when we were traveling, because we have to be in Canada for six months and a day, and then we can travel down in the States for, you know, for six months less a day. Um, but when we were traveling around Canada in the summer, um, we can't get to crown land really because our bus is 40 feet. We can't get to the places and there aren't many places to park for free that we've been able to find. So we were constantly staying in RV parks or we were staying in, uh, provincial parks, which are sometimes just as expensive as RV parks. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so we were probably spending, you know, 1500 to $2,000 a month just on uh campground fees yeah so that's why we decided to buy a little plot of land and then this is where we will be for the summer but when we're down in the states we paid for to stay somewhere twice in in three months yeah the rest of the time we were out on blm land um, and yeah, staying for free
2: and some beautiful spots like Schoolie is on BLM land in the Arizona desert. Yeah, Joshua Tree, we stayed for, free. for free. Yeah, so definitely. What's the amp called?
1: Uh, Overlander.
2: Overlander
0: is that I Overlander?
2: Yes, that's it. And that was great. Wonderful. We wouldn't even plan where we were, we'd be driving and you know because we have walkies back and forth and so you'd say i'm a bit tired maybe in like an hour let's pull over and find somewhere that's within an hour's drive from now you know because you don't have to worry if there's space or anything like that and sometimes we'd go and we'd be the only one and sometimes it'd be a camp or an rv
1: and a lot of times there'd be another schoolie around yeah especially
2: after schoolie palooza yeah yeah but it was great and so we saved so much money in the states yeah
0: so amanda this question's for you uh Tell me a little bit about this homeschooling and how that works. My wife and I are teachers. We have a schoolie. We want to do the same thing. What does that look like for you folks for homeschooling your daughter?
2: When we first started, she was in grade three years ago, so six. Mm -hmm. And I just bought the curriculum and followed it. Um, From being on movie sets where there's been children actors, I know the set teachers have always said, really, if you take out all the extra work, schooling really only needs to be an hour a day. And that's what the children were doing on set. So I said an hour a day, we'd be doing this and we go through and we had lots of workbooks and because I was it was something that really stressed me out. And then I would say, coming now, I'm definitely less stressed about it. We don't set guidelines and I've changed it up. So we were doing the curriculum, you know, a little bit of math, a little bit of English. But now what works better for my daughter is we do maths until it's finished. And then we do science until it's finished. And you know, you can really gear it towards your children and, and what they respond to. So it's been really good. Um, we also put in a lot of museums. She's been to every science center across Canada and uh, throughout the States. And it's been watching her, I gotta say, I kind of wish I would homeschooled sooner. You know, I too, like everybody thought, yeah, she's homeschooled, but I don't want her to be that weird homeschool because that's what the stigma is. Um, and I think that's a very, looking back now, I feel so foolish for thinking that, you know, cause I've met so many other homeschool kids and they're just absolutely wonderful. They're curious. and um, all, of,
1: all of the kids we met at Palooza are all homeschool kids, and they're all yeah. so, so social and amazing. Schoolypalooza
2: really helped me relax <clears throat> into it a lot more because, you know, there was these kids running around, and if there was an issue, they would go up to any adult. They weren't nervous to ask any questions. There was no stigma. They saw adults as helpful, and, yeah. And it was really great to see them all.
1: But there's also a movement. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's called unschooling <clears throat> where it, it isn't really following kind of it's, it's about following what your child is passionate about. And then that takes you down different avenues. So like our daughter loves history. She loves history. Uh, so that would take us down, you know, taking her to museums, which she would then be asking questions about this. And then that would take us down that road. Um, so it's, it was really about following what she's passionate about.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so we're much more relaxed about it. And I know that she's getting the education. I know she, you know, she, I feel like she's getting more than the curriculum now. Yeah. yeah.
0: There's a, um, a program, you can Google us. It's uh, in the United States. It's called Big Picture Learning. Uh, there are two schools in Canada. They're both in Winnipeg. Uh, one is called the Maples Met School and the other one is called, um, uh, it slips my brain now that I think about it, but this was my master's degree thesis work and it's in alternative education. I'm really intrigued about homeschooling, but when you Google this big picture learning, it uh, focuses on the learning that the kids are doing and then integrating the curriculum into it. Yeah, um, I teach in an alternative school program and it's amazing what happens when you start touching and seeing as an educator um, where learning can happen. And like mm-hmm. taking kids to a science museum, like that is spectacular to be able to do. And a lot of this program was uh, leaving to learn. So they'd leave the school and go on outing. And, you know, I took my kids last year, two years ago, we went to uh, the nearest residential school site and read a book about it. And this whole piece with being connected to the land and experiences around you, it's so valuable, especially with homeschooling.
1: And the the nice thing for us about touring, about being living the schooly life as well is because because we're not doing a nine to five job and then we come home and we've only got the weekends just like everyone else. We could go to the museums and the art galleries on a Monday or a Tuesday when it was when it when it was dead quiet, when there was no one around.
2: And the staff are so helpful on those days because there aren't that many so
1: we avoided places like on the weekends weekends. we would class mondays and tuesdays as our saturdays and sundays and that's when we would go out and do stuff and have fun and you know and Mm -hmm. go and go to these museums go to these art galleries
2: yeah
1: and i guess the piece with
0: that is being able to be either a digital worker or a remote worker that's where your income comes in from Therefore, you reduce your costs, which gives you more value for your money to do things yeah, for more ever.
2: Definitely. Before me being a makeup artist and Gary being a graphic designer, we only earned the hours that we worked. So if you worked 10 hours, you got paid for 10 hours. Now being able to work digitally and having my artwork sell you know, multiple times, we can now free ourselves up so much more time. Like Gary used to do 16-hour days didn't you when yep. you'd be at the computer all day and and you know that was just a necessity to keep up with the 3 bedroomed double garage house but now we're in the school <clears> day. we need so much less
1: I guess it's about finding out what's important to you yeah. you know stuff and things or, or experiences and time yeah and um, we've decided that experiences and time is more important to us than any stuff
2: yeah but also, you know, buying a little plot of land and having living in the schoolie, we're mortgage free. We're rent free. You know, when where I'm in B.C., I mean, a million dollars would barely get you an apartment, you know?
1: Yeah. Whereas we've got 25 acres on the ocean and, you know, we live in a vehicle. Yes, we live in a vehicle, but it's not. It's our tiny home that we built with our hands mm-hmm. and we own her outright. No one can take her away from us. And it's just it's, it's just a very freeing mentality
2: yeah
0: are there any resources out there that you would recommend people checking out if they were looking at you know getting that remote work or digital work online
2: I definitely Etsy I'm a big fan of Etsy I've, I've opened up Etsy stores for my sister my mom you know if you have any kind of graphic experience whatsoever oh, or homemaking things would be amazing and then you also the publishing thing is good
1: yeah I do uh I publish through uh Amazon uh, Amazon, basically anyone, anyone can, can, and I'm not talking about, you know, you can put, uh, coloring books, you can put educational books, you can put whatever you want on Amazon and Amazon will print it and sell it and send it out. And then they'll pay you, uh, every time, every time you do that. Uh, and that's called, uh, Amazon KDP, which is Kindle Direct Direct publishing. And mm-hmm. um, there's lots of Facebook groups that go into uh Kindle direct publishing, how to make money with it, how to get good at it. Um so yeah, if you are that way inclined, just have a look on Facebook for uh KDP groups.
2: And I mean both of us are a creative field, you know, and on computers. But when we were at schooly and they were doing talks because there was one of the talks about how do you make money online? There was one lady who she does re- teaching, doesn't she? So yes. she goes around. She, it was in the States, so I'm not sure if Canada has an equivalent. But it was like an online, she would register. So if she was in an area and they needed a substitute, she would do that. There was someone who did. Oh,
1: two of our friends are online accountants. Yeah. <clears throat> so they have their clients, and but they travel around in their schoolie and they just do Zoom calls with them um, to do their accounting. Yeah. Um, and they do very well through that. I mean, I know you need... You know certifications to be accountants, yeah. but you know there are ways of making money on the road.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. We're trying to figure out that uh, we're both in
0: schools and we're teachers. How do you make that income and travel at the same time what's for us the, as um, teachers?
2: What's so OutSchool? Is it something related?
0: Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a
2: there's a website called OutSchool, and it's where people do lessons on the road.
1: So teachers do lessons.
2: Yeah, and that's a really good one.
1: And they get paid for it, mm-hmm. quite, quite, quite well.
2: Yeah, and it can be on all subjects. I mean, there's ones on Mi- Minecraft. There's ones like for girls, personal hygiene, and then there's actually like maths for. So it's a whole gamut of. And you know, range. I mean, I mean,
1: I won't get into my views on coronavirus and COVID nineteen and lockdowns, <clears throat> but the one good thing that has come out of it is I think people's views about what school is have changed dramatically. You know, they they've seen that kids. Can school from home? They don't have to, um, you know. They don't have to be within a, you know, a brick and mortar building for six or seven hours a day, uh, you know, and they can learn just as well. So yeah. I think that's one good thing that's come out of it.
2: Yeah, have a look at out. Is it out? School I, or I out think schooled? it's
1: out. Uh, yeah, out, out school.
2: Yeah, you should have a look at it. I think that's really good.
0: Yeah, I'll have a look at that. Thank you. So, let's see. So. Uh, Gary, what do you see
1: as the future for you folks down the road? Well, we uh, once we've I mean, for, for our for our uh, off grid land, we're building cabins, we're building a, uh, a sustainable garden. So, you know, we can you know, we don't have to buy from the grocery store as much. And then hopefully if everything goes back to normal, we'll be here in the summers. And then in the winters is when we'll be traveling through the southern U.S. states trying to stay warm we're planning with our friends who we made at schoolie palooza we're planning a little jaunt over christmas and into the new year into baja in mexico where we're all going to go park on the beach you're welcome to join us (laughs) uh but yeah we're going to go park on the beach for three months in uh down in mexico um
2: fingers crossed
1: fingers crossed
2: yeah can only plan so much
1: um and then that's really I mean we didn't get to see a lot of the states because we went down the west coast we went across the southern coast and that was in March and then by the time we'd hit Florida is when the COVID-19 pandemic was was kind of just kicking off so
2: and they said in 24 hours we're closing the border
1: so we had to skip the whole east coast of the USA we obviously drove it but we drove Only the, uh, the you know, you know, the uh, yeah, the highways for the for, for the entirety from Florida all the way back up to uh, Ontario. Um, so that's the thing we'd love to do as well yeah. is really go and explore because I didn't get to go to Nashville. I love Nash, You know, I love country music. Um,
2: and I really wanted to see the East. Yeah, we wanted, yeah East. we wanted to go yeah. to
1: Georgia. We wanted to go to Charlotte, you know, yeah. Charlotte, all of these places. And we didn't get to go. So.
2: So we definitely see a lot more exploring once we're able to in the winter months and then I think long term we'll probably yeah this this will be our home long term
1: but but I did get to race Mabel around yeah. a disused racetrack where we spent two nights because we boondocked in
2: Savannah. Uh,
1: yeah in Savannah Georgia yeah. and there's an abandoned racetrack and you can you can drive your car around it and we we raced Mabel around her, an abandoned racetrack that was fun yeah
2: that's the first time I, that's, that's the first time I drove her On a racetrack. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So do you ever think, or have you ever run into anybody who has shipped a bus to Europe or who's driven around the world? No.
2: No, but we had that one guy at school He was talking about it, but he hadn't done it. Yeah. And we, we, I think we saw a video of someone that had done it. The only thing is, is living in Europe, I have to say, the roads are very narrow and windy and parking wise. So, I mean, I would only do it if I was in a shorty.
1: Yeah, if I was in something slightly bigger than a van, that's the only way I would do it. Yeah. Because, like, you couldn't get a school bus around half of the cities in England. You, yeah. you know, you just you just can't do it.
2: No. Oh, there's a lot of low bridges, a lot of small... I mean, there's a lot of lanes where they're not even two lanes. Yeah. yeah. So... And they
1: drive on the wrong side of the road. <laughs>
2: they're crazy. Yeah, so, I mean, I could imagine... I mean, there have been people that have done it and good on them. But for us, I think, yeah, maybe... I mean, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> um, we've traveled a lot through Europe via train. Yeah, Sophia and I have, and that's been fun. Plus, so. I can't,
1: I can't see the benefit. The cost. I, I just think <clears throat> we've, we've got so much to explore here. Like we can do from Alaska all the way down to, um, you know, Chile. Um, whereas it's going to cost four, 000, five thousand dollars to ship a bus to Europe, and then four, 000, five thousand dollars if you want to ship it back. I just think I could spend better spend that money somewhere else like spray foaming my bus.
2: <laughs> I think if we were going to, I understand why people do it because it's about going around the world, but if we were going to do it, we would probably go back and do a mini conversion and then do it. I don't think we would ship. Maybe, yeah. yeah. You know, personally, that's just for us personally. Yeah.
1: No, I'd go to England and I'd buy a double-decker right. bus and I'd convert the double decker bus
2: and ship that over. And here. then I'd ship that
1: back <laughs> here. Cause I would love a double decker bus.
2: Yeah.
0: There are four girls from the Netherlands that I'm going to have on later in the year, and they are converting a bus uh, into a schoolie. And another gentleman in the UK who is converting a double-decker bus into a mobile digital
2: workspace
1: for people to rent out. That's
2: smart. Yeah. That's smart.
1: Yeah. You want to buy a double decker bus over yeah. here? It's expensive. You're talking yeah. 40, 50,000 Canadian to get a double decker bus.
2: They do have a lot of converted double decker bus businesses in London. There's a bakery that goes around and you can like drink on it. There's a there. No, that's, there is.
1: That's a that's a <laughs> bar, not a bakery.
2: Yeah, but it's a bakery. You <laughs> drink of, gin and what kind of bakeries do you go to? And then like play centers, there's, you know, for birthday parties, you can hire a one and it's been fitted out with a ball pool. And, the and slides, you can drink, on it. You can drink <laughs> on it. But so there is that, but I've never, and I did see on uh, one of the tiny spaces, a couple people who have converted them into, but they've had them parked. They're not traveling in them. Yeah. Yeah. But I love double decker buses.
1: Sorry. We go off on tangents. Sorry about that. <laughs>
0: Amanda, can you uh, offer two or three people uh, that you would recommend that other
1: people would follow uh, in regards to schoolies or coach buses?
2: Um.
1: I mean, the Evans family are really—you know—we we love those guys. Uh, and what's their Instagram?
2: It's like eight people, two dogs, and a snake.
1: <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't really know these these names. I don't off- know
2: their like handle <clears throat> names. Just-
1: yeah. Yeah. Do you not know Matt and Tessa, <laughs> everyone? <laughs> you should. Um, and then who else? God, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's about uh, knowing- You know,
2: when, in, when we first were going to build, all we did, we were so schooly, for, we watched all the videos we watched. And now that's kind of now it's more about personal connections and just talking, yeah. isn't it? Not really. So, I mean, do you remember any of the ones? They're all YouTube channels that we watched. That farm trip one was good, but that was more about the road trip.
0: Yeah. What yeah. about you guys? No, we're terrible. What, uh, where could people find you folks online?
1: Uh, they can find us in... on
2: Instagram. We're Mabel the Schooly Bus. But... Um,
1: a Mabel is M A B E L. I'm sure you'll put a link to it, you know, somewhere. But... but
2: I but we don't post that much. It's funny because when we did the bus, we filmed every step, and we. We really were, like, into the, the whole thing. And then we've just been too busy living that, like, you know, we just barely uh, – oh, I should post something because my parents are, like, we haven't seen anything in a while or – Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. so I've still
1: got all the files. And it's like, are you ever going to do anything with that? Nah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's just – yeah.
1: We we didn't – do. I mean, I know some people do it to – to be out there and they want people to watch their videos and they want people to you know and they want they want them. to get the likes and they yeah. you know they they see it as a, as a way to make money and that's fantastic but we we never we never did it for that we did it because yeah. it just sounded great
2: yeah
1: um so i'm not really i'm not really that bothered about yeah. you know posting on youtube or you know doing things like that i mean this is great because you know listening to like a podcast like yours you know i get to hear from people who are you know in my in my neighborhood um you know they're in you know they're in canada so it's nice to hear from people who are, you know who are doing it locally even though we're a massive country
0: yeah and that's yeah, when i was fine. doing my research a lot of it was coming out of the states, which was great to learn about but i was never able to get that canadian perspective especially for that winter insulation or just Building that community just didn't seem like it was established in Canada yet from my learning. So I figured, why not start?
2: Yeah, that's great. And I totally agree with you. Yeah. Because it was like when we were at schoolie, it did feel like a community. And and it just felt, just changed the whole aspect of living in a schoolie. Yeah you know it really did and that sense of community is what changed it because
1: also we had no idea i didn't know if it was going to be like a hippie festival drum circle yeah and we were going to hate it
2: we were both like <clears throat> let's give it a day and see yeah. how it goes and we stayed an extra two weeks
1: yeah we stayed an extra two weeks <laughs> at schoolie palooza with people and then we were traveling with people For but months, it, yeah, yeah but it really was we both said we have no idea how it's going to be so just we'll just give it a day and if we hate it <laughs> We'll, we'll drive out of here and there's no harm. Even though we drove all the way from Canada to Arizona for this, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, we'll give it a day. And then, yeah, we were there for almost a month in the desert with all these people. And yeah. it was it was, it was was life-changing.
2: And now I really do feel like I'm part of a schooly community, whereas before we were some people that lived in a school bus and wouldn't it be cool if we bumped into someone else that lived in a school bus. I now feel a part of a schooly community and it's great. Yeah. It really is. And I do wish it was more Canadian- as well.
1: Yeah. I wish there was more people in Canada who did it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we've seen a couple on the road, uh, and I've met a couple of people randomly who live in school buses in BC. Uh, So I think
2: it's getting more.
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't know if most of them are in BC because it, it's got a nicer temperament, a nicer climate in the winter. Um, I mean, we wintered in BC twice, once on Vancouver Island, uh, and once in the Fraser Valley. Um, yeah. And, it, it was almost the same as an east coast winter
2: <laughs> but we were also in an rv park so we had electricity. we were in an rv park yeah. so
1: so with the podcast i'm
0: geo all of the guests that i've had on the show so that if you can see that doug ashwood's in pei uh you could just click on that podcast and listen to it or you could connect with them through his social media or what have you so you have your own little bubbles of people across the country uh, or if yeah. you're traveling across the country, you can
1: see people who have been on the show uh, that you might have similar interests. Yeah, and that's I, wonderful. Yep, I have your page open. So <clears throat> when we when we are traveling back across Canada, I will be stopping in on these people.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> well, there'll be a gathering,
0: hopefully, at some point.
1: Oh, I That'd can't wait! Nice. I, I know they do one in Quebec because I'm friends. I'm friends with with quite a lot of there's quite a lot of schooly people in Quebec. Which I didn't, but I don't, you know, understand most of their posts because I don't speak French Canadian, <laughs> and they always put it in French Canadian, and Google translation sucks. Um, but like William the Schoolie, he's one. I, I, I don't know if you know if you know of him, um, but uh, William the Schoolie is a is a, he he's a he's a really nice guy. We met him at the first Schoolie Palooza, and I didn't like him, but then over the the last year, we've we we we're very, very similar in, in what we believe, what we love. Um, so we've actually become, you know, pretty good friends online. Um, but he built his bus and he traveled all the way to Alaska from Quebec. And then he's down at school. He was down at this last school, Palooza as well.
2: Yeah, he um, shipped his bus down and then Yeah.
1: Cause we didn't realize that there was the, um, the loophole where you can, you can fly into the U S right now. Uh, and you can get a company to drive your bus across the border. And then they'll, then you pick it up across the border in the states, and then you go and do what you want to do. Wow! And does he have like a huge bus with a big roof left? Yes, that's the guy. Wow! But he's not cool. called William. It's just his bus is William the Schoolie. Um,
2: right. Oh, I thought
1: his name was William. No. Well. Cool. So, uh, Gary, final words. Us, what are us. what are some words of wisdom that you have for the folks out there? sorry i was trying to find there's another uh, i don't know if you know called uh clara but she is on um newfoundland, <laughs> newfoundland. clara uh, milligan they have a on newfoundland
0: clara milligan yeah yeah small world then yes. eh? <laughs> yeah she's on the show <laughs> later on in the You'd
1: year be a to paint. oh yeah. fantastic Yeah. So I've never met her, but obviously we've met through on Facebook, through the various groups and, you know, they seem like a, they they seem like a really cool group of people.
2: Oh, for words of advice, I would definitely recommend um, joining Facebook schoolie groups because we had a thing like, we were like, where do you put in transmission fluid? You know? And the, someone was like, take a photo of your engine and post it. And then someone put a circle on it and, posted it back you know they're really helpful um aren't they like yeah. within minutes you have an answer if you have a question yes it's, it's very supportive so like don't be afraid to reach out to other schoolies i would say yeah it's a very supportive <clears throat> community
1: have a contingency plan for if stuff breaks um yeah. that really is a big one because you know you're dr- in most cases <clears throat> you're driving a vehicle that is older than you know the car that you drive around and stuff will break stuff will go wrong and unless you're mechanically minded which I'm not in any way shape or form um you know I know people who can fix stuff on their bus left all day um but I can't so you know if you can't just make sure you've got a contingency fund mm-hmm. put aside that you don't touch so that if anything goes wrong with the bus you're not up shit creek without yeah. a paddle
2: and it just makes you feel better knowing yeah
1: yeah there's a peace of mind there
2: yeah. I can't think of anything else apart from...
1: Spray foam your bus.
2: Spray foam foam your
1: bus. That's a really good tip, especially if you live in Canada. If
2: you're going to winter, I would definitely spray foam. Yeah. But other than that, I would just say do it and don't let fear hold you back.
0: I'm going to be coming to uh, stop by and visit you folks uh, along my travels back to Cape Breton. Uh, Later on, I'll get your... uh, rural address and uh, make the way down that 14 kilometer road to pay a visit
1: um or maybe oh, we'll Jesse, meet an no. uh, along the way who knows our road our road is horrible <laughs> but,
2: but you only have to drive it once well you, only,
1: well you have to drive it twice um but it's we have honestly our view right now i'm looking at the moon on the ocean it is gorgeous yeah I like love i that, love man. where we are um I mean, I want to be traveling again. It's one thing I miss. I want to be on the road. I love driving. I love driving our bus. I love being in a new town every every two or three days. Um, you know, I, I, I miss, you know, the looks I get from people when they drive by and they realize that it's not a school bus. It's actually, in our you know, a oh, motorhome. The
2: best thing, though, is the kids. Yeah. Kids' reactions are always best. Look, a school bus. And then they, they look confused and then they look excited, don't they? They love yeah, it. They do. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's a great feeling. Yeah. It is, it is. But yeah, but you guys are welcome. Welcome to come and join us. And you know, we'll have some campfires. And
0: hey, maybe I'll put together a uh, maritime contingency of schoolies once I get contacted with everybody. And uh, maybe we'll
1: see what happens in the summer yeah, with COVID. I mean, I,
2: I, and go from there.
1: I don't. Want too, I don't want too many people knowing where we live. You know, because when <laughs> the end of the world comes, you know, I don't want people thinking they grow their own food.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. With a little flavor of salt and the water on it. What does your daughter oh, wow. think about the whole schoolie and travel?
1: Sophia, what do you think of the whole schoolie traveling? I love it. There you go. She loves it.
2: She does love it. She does. Yeah. And very also, cool. I gotta say, from travel so much, like I when I used to work with very young models, like they'd be 12 or 13 when they would start in fashion. And then their agencies would send them abroad and they'd come back. And I tell you, you can spot the kid that travels over the one that hasn't. It's, 100%. it's it makes a huge difference to children. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's such a great learning opportunity.
2: Yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah. But you know, the only thing as us you know, as and she we has said, more
2: friends now yeah. than she did when she was in school.
1: Yeah, she does. And yeah. closer friends as well.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, she's yeah. got she's got friends friends for life. So yeah and you know the only thing i wish is we'd have done it sooner that's Mm -hmm. really all i wish you know i'm 45 now um but you know i really we did it we did it at the at at the time that was perfect for us obviously because otherwise sooner but i really do wish that we'd have done it sooner and been on the road sooner Mm, it's good advice
0: yeah very cool Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> well, enjoy the rest of your evening, folks. I greatly appreciate the conversation. And I look forward to sitting around the fire with you in the summertime to uh, share some stories.
1: Uh, it was so nice to talk to you. Yeah, it was Thank a you so much. You too.
0: Thanks, folks. Have a good night. Bye bye. Thank you for carving out some time in your day to listen to this week's edition of A Canadian Schooly Podcast. You can listen to more of our podcasts through Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or from wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to reach out to us through our website, acanadianschooly.ca or follow us on Instagram or YouTube under Schoolie. Until next time, stay safe and be kind to one another.